You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Steve McCoy from 360 Church in Sarasota, Florida. We hope this message inspires you to press beyond ordinary. And we continue, believe it or not, I know it's shocking, we're continuing our conversation on pursuit. Yes, <laughs> we're going to pursue this right through Christmas. And uh, I guess you could say, you remember those chicken soup for the soul books? I think there was chicken soup for mosquitoes. I mean, I think they just, you know, <laughs> rang out every drop of that, dude. So I'm gonna, we're going to do that with this, this collection. Many of you have, uh, I think, related to this, uh, these conversations, because, you know, we, we uh, are all unpursued suit of, of, of one thing or the other. When you look at the Christmas story, there's a lot of pursuing going on. The angels pursued the, the shepherds, and they told the shepherds to go pursue the Christ child. Uh, later on, the, the magi, or we sometimes say they're wise men, they were called by God to pursue the, 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 the child, and, and uh, Herod pursued the, the, the magi. And so, I mean, there's a lot of pursuit when you think about the Christmas story. We're going to look at a person, a lesser known figure in the Christmas story, one that typically doesn't make it into the Christmas pageants. And uh, in fact, there are two, there are two figures in, in the Christmas story, Simeon and Anna, that are, that they have great significance in the story, and yet we don't highlight them, but, but we're going to focus on Anna today. And, and, and she will teach us, the, and as the word of God will teach us, a really important component and a difficult component in our pursuit of God, okay? So when you look at the Bible, I do believe that God was not flippant in anything he did uh, and still and was not flippant when he wrote the Bible. There are times in the scripture that that uh, names they always they bring a, a kind of a, an understanding uh, a, a sense of meaning to the story and names really meant something when you look at how God changed Abram's name to Abraham and and Peter's name and and throughout the scripture because names really had that significance so we begin today we're in Luke chapter two. In verse 36, I put some letters behind some of these verses just so you're not confused. I don't like people to be confused. Uh, and the, the, the letters are just, here's the first part, second part, because we're going to dissect the, these, this short passage in a lot of different ways. So when you see Luke chapter 2, verse 36a, it just simply means that, you know, it's, there's no footnote or anything. It just simply means it's the first part. We began with this introduction to Anna. It begins in Luke chapter 2, verse 36. There was also a prophetess. The word also is there because the Simeon story comes right before this. That's why the word also is there. So there's also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel and the, of, of the tribe of Asher. Now, when you read those verses in the scripture, you're often like, okay, well, that's just some historical facts. But I do believe that it's interesting, not that this drives a story, but there are interesting parts and beauty I, I find, again, in the names. If you look at the word uh, name Anna, it is the, uh, the, uh, the equivalent of the Hebrew word Hannah. So if you know the, the Bible at all, you, you, we start to get a little bit of a flavor, almost an overture to this story that in the, in the book of Hannah, there are in the book of Hannah. Wow. Yeah. Hey, there's, there's actually 67 books in the Bible and we departed half the room. That's pretty cool. No, uh, in the book of Samuel, we see Hannah. She is a pursuer of God. 
And there's a lot of similarities here on their very intentional pursuit. It is a relentless pursuit of God. In the Old Testament, Hannah is pursuing God. She is, she is without child, and yet God gives her miraculously a child that she, uh, she gives over to the work of God. Some similarities, of course, as you see in the, in the scripture. But, uh, but the, the word Hannah or Anna means grace. It means favored by God, God's favor, right? We're also told that she, her dad's name was Phanuel. Interesting that Phanuel, that name means in the face of God, or you see the word El, which is the you know, Elohim, Phanuel, and Phanuel means facing God, pursuing God. So we have this kind of an overture. Here's a gal's name. Her name is Grace in the favor of God, facing God from the tribe of Asher, which means uh, which means uh, blessed or happy in the in the happy way. Like, hey, how's your week? Sometimes you you hey, how's your week? Oh, it's blessed. You know, like really really great. So it just gives us a little bit of an insight whether this is driving the story or not. We don't know, but it, it is interesting to have this flavor, this setup. Now we find out a little bit more about her personal life. In chapter uh, 2 of Luke, in the second half of, of verse 36, we find that Anna was advanced in years. That's a nice way to say she was an older person. And she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then as a widow to the age of 84. Now, when you look, you read scholars and how they interpret this, some people say that she could have gotten married at a very early age back in that culture. You know, women, girls could get married even at the age of 14. And then she was married seven years. And then you add 84 onto that. That comes out to, uh, at any rate, it's older. <laughs> um, but for the most part, you Let's just set that aside. We know that she was married probably, you know, it's, a, it's definitely an assumption, probably in an old, a younger age, but whatever, she was married and then she was married for seven years and then she became a widow and we picked this story up when she was 84 years old. Okay, what's the point? The point is that when you read the scriptures, you often find orphans and widows coupled together that they that we are to exercise mercy and compassion why because living a life of an orphan without a parent living a life for a woman without a, a husband in that culture and in our culture is not easy god has a special attention to to those i have a mom who's a widow and I and I and there there are people in our room right now that understand the pain of that and that chapter of that. God has a special attention, a special a sense of compassion because He understands that. Why is that relevant to this story? It's relevant to this story because Hannah is an older woman. She has had a, led a difficult life. She has led this difficult life for a long time. She's 84 years old. She knows what it's like to, to, uh, to go through difficult chapters, and yet we find her, as you're going to see, intentionally seeking God in, a, in what I'm going to call an investment pursuit. Investment pursuit. That's what Anna is going to teach us today, investment pursuit. What do I mean by that? Well, Jesus often used 
everyday things to explain or highlight or amplify things that are that are uh, spiritual, right? So, and I and I always look at God from compassion from that point of view. He really is like, okay, I got to give something heavy to you and something you don't know and you can't see. It's invisible, but you know seeds and you know farmers and you know kings and you know servants and you know oil and you know all these earthly things, everyday things that you exist. And I'm trying to connect the two so you're like, oh, I see what you're trying to say. This is the compassion of God. In the same rate today, in the same spirit today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to liken this pursuit today to financial investment, okay? Financial investment, because it's something that most people understand, and it's going to picture for us this, this pursuit of Anna that I believe is very relevant for our lives. So we're going to talk a lot about uh, financial investment today. You're going to think by the end of this, are we talking, is this Dave Ramsey? Or are we uh, hearing, a, hearing a message from the Word of God? But I think that you'll see that there's a lot of, uh, a lot of similarities. When I first got married 25 years ago, I had $20,000 in the bank that I had worked so hard to save. I listened to, back then it was cassette tapes, I listened to this cassette tape series. Uh, we were on a vacation from Florida to Virginia, and I listened to this, this series, and my wife, you know, she would, it was super boring, but there, I think there was like, you know, 20 cassette tapes, and uh, my wife jokes because she would wake up, you know, she would pass out in the passenger seat, and then she would wake up to the voice, please flip the cassette to the other side, you know, and so I'm, I'm, I'm learning about financial investment. So after 20 cassette tapes, I found myself to be, well, an expert. <laughs> I became an expert financial investor. So what did I do? I thought, hey, I am now um, prepared to become a day trader. A day trader. Yes, sirree. I'm not going to look in that direction, but I did just see a wife poke a husband. But I'm just going to, I'm going to leave it at that, all right? <laughs> So uh, I lost everything. I went from 20,000 bucks to zero. What a great way to start the security in a marriage. You can follow me. <laughs> because if you sit down with any financial advisor, they will tell you the first principle that we're going to look at today. Effective investing is long-term and consistent. It's not sprint. It's not day trading. It's, it's, it's consistent. All right? We begin in Luke chapter 2, verse 37, second half. Anna never left the temple. She never left the temple. She wasn't hot one day, cold the next. She was consistent on a long term. She's 84. I want to remind you. For many, many years, she never left the temple, but she worshiped day and night. You see, the challenge for human beings, I, I, I gave you fair warning. This is easy to roll off the lips. It's easy to hear. It's difficult to put into action. Okay? Just give, give you that fair warning. Why? Because human beings, as human beings, we often live a day trader pursuit of God. 
In other words, here's a hot stock, I'm, I'm investing, right? And so what happens is sometimes when the, hot, the stock market is hot, we're like, man, perfect time to invest. I got an investor, we're like, no, you need to do what's called dollar cost averaging. That means you, you put in the same amount, same day of the month, and whether it's up or down, up and down, up and down, you're just putting it in there because historically you'll be okay, all right, rather than trying to second guess the market. Okay, what are we talking about spiritually here? The challenge with human beings is that we cannot predict in the next two minutes, the next two days, the next two years, two weeks, two months, right? And sometimes we're going to have good chapters in our life, and sometimes we're going to have really difficult chapters in our life. And if we are pursue, we tend to pursue God based on the climate of our situation. So there's what's called foxhole praying. Have you, have you heard of it? Hmm? Have you done it? <laughs> Boy, I have. That my pursuit of God, when the bottom falls out, man, God, please, I'll do anything. I'll quit eating peanut butter. I will start eating peanut butter. I will do anything. I don't know anything about if peanut butter is good or bad. But I, I'll do anything. I'll stop doing this. I'll start doing this. And our pursuit is increased based on the climate of what's happening in our life. It's very day trade-ish, right? It's not dollar cost averaging. Some people... I like to be transparent as possible. I fall on this side of the camp that I can become cynical during foxhole moments. When difficult times happen, I think the majority of people, they turn to God in some of the worst moments of our life. You know, one of the greatest attendance uh, days, uh, days of, a, uh, of highest attendance in church wasn't Christmas, or, uh, Christmas Eve or Easter. It was a Sunday after 9-11. And a nation turned to God. That lasted about two weeks. <laughs> and, that, and that's the picture. Some of us, however, will become cynical to God. Well, here I am trying to pour it out for God, and that happened. Uh, so I'm turning, I'm turning my pursuit down here a little bit because I'm kind of a little cynical about it. I'm a little bit turned off by it. But many people, they turn it up with God when things go bad. However, one of the most dangerous places to be is this inconsistency. Psalm 25, David, in a bad place, says, My eyes are ever on the Lord. And if you read the psalm, man, he's in a pickle. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. This would be the, not, not just a foxhole prayer, but things are not going good, but my eyes are not going to move God from you. But one of the most dangerous places for us, especially as Americans, are not when things are going bad, but when things are going normal or great. Those are the moments when we tend to forget God. Those are the moments when things are going all right, and it's like, hey, the stock market is doing super great, I'll invest now. Gold is at an all-time high price. I'll buy it now. Any broker would say, don't do it. Not now. Not now. You know, don't only come to God when it's bad. Don't only come to God when it's good. It's an interesting proverb, chapter 30, verse 7. The writer says, two things I ask of you, O Lord. Don't refuse me before I die. Number one, keep falsehood and lies far from me. Different story, different day. Number two, 
Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only what I need, my daily bread. Why? Otherwise, I might have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord in ministry? I've seen this over and over and over and over and over. When things have gone great, God is out of the picture. When things are, are going normal, God's out of the picture. When things are going horrible, oh, please, God, get me out of the foxhole, right? And God has said, Anna is teaching us that as a widow, with many difficult chapters throughout her life, she never left. She never left. This is the consistency. This is investment pursuit. God, I'm going to keep investing, investing, investing. Good, bad, medium, kind of medium, kind of hard, really hard, really tough, super great. I'm going to keep investing in the pursuit of you. This is difficult, is it not? We're human beings. We have feelings. We have emotions. We have uh, senses of like, hey, I'm going to, you know, when the weather is great, we seem happier. When it's cold and rainy, it affects us. So God understands we're fragile. We have this this buoyancy of of a commitment to him. The first thing Anna teaches us is that effective pursuit of God is long-term and consistent. Here's the second thing. And the toughest thing, effective investment requires discipline. Anybody will tell you that if you're, you sit with a, a financial advisor, you're going to say it's going to require discipline. Anna, we're told in Luke chapter 2, verse 37, in the last part, she never left the temple, but she worshiped day and night, fasting and praying. That takes discipline. When you're fasting, you're doing without. You're doing without. Some people say, I'm going to fast from the news media. Good idea. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to fast from food. I'm going to fast from this. That means I'm not going to take that in anymore. I'm going to give that up. Okay? I love our country. I love our culture. But it is difficult to live in from a spiritual point of view. Why? We live in a culture of instant gratification. Whether we like it, don't like it, but we want it now, we get it now, right? The statistic is that 47% of Americans are in credit card trouble and debt. That's almost one out of every two. So everybody in credit card debt, raise your hand. No, just kidding, don't do it. It affects us. We live this life. I grew up in an age, and those of my age and a little older will understand that we had this crazy thing called layover. Layaway, layover. (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) Too many airplane trips. Yeah, so layaway. And and I see it coming back. For those of you, let me educate you. uh, If you don't know what layover, uh, layaway is. I think I feel like I need a layover. Layaway is I want the bike. The bike costs 80 bucks. I go in Walmart. I want the bike. It's $80. So I'm like, I can't afford it. I don't have the $80. So I'm going to put $10 down. They're going to put the bike in the back room. I go back next week. I give Walmart another $10. They put it on my record. They give another one week after week after week until the entire thing is paid off. Then guess what? They hand me the, the bike. These days I want the bike. I don't have the $80. I put it on credit. And so I can be instantly gratified, but I don't have the assets for the one that the thing that I I want to purchase, right? The thing I want to possess. 
See, when it comes to God, it requires discipline and living in a culture where there's instant gratification. There are many times when we think I can go into prayer or I can do something else. The something else from a human point of view might be more instantly gratifying. I get to turn on the TV and there's something happening. I can see the colors and sounds, et cetera, et cetera. When I go to prayer, if I'm honest, I'd, I'd love to stand up here and tell you that, man, when I go into prayer, I walk out after X number of minutes or X number of time and I walk out and it's like, man, the world is gloriously changed. That I have this deep sense of it's prayer is labor. We're not in prayer for instant gratification. We're not fasting and praying and pursuing God of what we can get out of it. We're investing in God. We're investing in that pursuit. So the reality and the difficult thing is that there are some times when we, we're investing and we're in prayer and we're in the word of God and some, and if you if you don't have these kind of conversations, like, well, I didn't get anything out of it, right? I didn't get anything out of it. Therefore, I'm going to diminish that pursuit. When we when we're financially investing every month, let's say I'm investing a hundred bucks into a retirement account, I'm not seeing anything yet. I'm not feeling anything yet. There's nothing gratifying. I could take that same hundred bucks, go in the Starbucks, which smells amazing and looks amazing, and buy, you know, 20 really cool coffee mugs, and I walk home, and humanly speaking, I'm more gratified. Taking the discipline to say, I can't do that, I'm going to put it away, because sometimes, as we're going to see, you can't see the return on that investment yet, and it's not quite as scintillating. There was, and in, in uh, with my friends, I've got some friends in Ukraine, and there was a tragedy this past week where uh, three young guys in their 20s were changing a tire. This one, one of them was, was a pastor's son. It was a DUI accident. A guy who had been drinking ran into them as they were trying to change a tire on the side of the road. Two of them were killed. And the son was in a coma, and now he's come out of the coma. Yesterday, I took the time to view the funeral. And it looked like it was in a low, it was outside, cold as anything. They're all wrapped up. And um, trying to measure what I say, the mom had draped herself over the coffin. It looked like the setting was almost like um, like if your car got impounded and you went and you know it was behind walls and just it was it was just like a looked like a junkyard packed full of people and you know the thing that really struck me was the patience some cultures move slower and it's almost to an advantage to them as, as in the spiritual world and I marveled at the emotion, and uh, but I marveled at the at the passion, uh, at the patience. That he just sat and they let it be for thirty minutes, for an hour, for an hour and a half, for two hours. What we're talking about today is difficult, and I would I'd be pulling the wool over your eyes to say it's not. This is this is easy. It's not easy. Discipline in the spiritual life is, is challenging. B 
because, especially just as human beings in general, but because of the culture we live in, okay? So I love our country, not, not, nothing about our country. I'm just saying we're so instantly gratified. My, my kids would rather watch, you know, uh, the Christmas movie, not, not Wonderful Life, because nothing's getting blown up or burnt down. There, I mean, there's no movie effects, right? Like, can we watch Die Hard? Okay, is that a Christmas movie? But something's getting blown up. I'm like, yeah, that's really scintillating. See, we live in a culture that's kind of like this. And what Anna teaches us is that the pursuit of God is not that because if we pursue God and we're expecting that scintillating instant gratification, then it's more about us than it is God. And that takes tough, that's required. Some of you know my background's in music. I, I understood this in music, that on Friday nights and Saturday nights when my friends were out you know, having a good time, I was in the practice room. I practiced eight hours every day. I practiced seven days a week, and I practiced 364 days a year. I took Christmas off. I did it for a decade. And there's a lot of times it was not instantly gratifying. It just took that, in, that investment to understand, to get to a level of richness, of meaning. Those types of meaningful things in life require not doing something else. So let me pause. I'm, a, I'm, I'm you know, so tempted. Hey, we're on a clock. We got to go to the next point. But there are times where I really feel like God's saying, hey, just take a pause here and let's just take some inventory. I invite you to take inventory. How is your discipline and your regularity with God? And it's not to make you feel guilty. I ask myself in this moment the same question. What are, let me ask it in a different way. What are you not doing in order to pursue God? Otherwise, it might be a pursuit of convenience. What are you not doing in order to pursue God? That's what Anna teaches us. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, if anyone wishes to pursue me, to come after me, he must deny himself. There's got to be something that's being given up and take up his cross. How often? Dollar cost averaging. Daily and follow me. Here's, the Here's where we land. Because you're going to think, okay, this is tough, blah, blah, blah. But there's, a, there's, here, there's always a payoff, okay? So first principle of spiritual investment and pursued investment is that it, it's, it's long-term and it's consistent, right? The second the, uh, is that it requires discipline, all right? But here's the amazing thing about investing. The amazing thing about investing is effective investment pays off at a time where you really need it. Infe effective investment pays off at a time when you really need it. To add to the joy of 2020, my air condition shut down this year. And I had to replace the whole unit. Now, it had run 18 years. <laughs> um, we were going with cardboard fans, but the family voted me off of that island. And so, uh, so I had to replace it. I was able to pay cash for it, because I learned by getting burned. 
That sounds like a t-shirt. <laughs> Write that down. That was good. I, <laughs> I learned early in my marriage when I blew through 20 grand because of Sprint-like investment, I learned to put 10, 15, 20, 100 bucks away a month for what's called the rainy day fund. So when it comes to retirement, when it comes to the car breaking down, when it comes to air conditioning, any investor would say you've got to have that rainy day fund or else you'll be living on empty assets, which is called credit. And so at the very moment when you need it, if we are investing consistently in God, God can use us in the very moment he needs to use us. What do I mean by that? Okay. So sometimes I think it's important to put yourself in the shoes of those in the scripture because they're real people here. These are not, you know, fables. Mary is not a fable, nor is she a god. She's a regular person. And, and the same thing for Joseph, okay? For, for, for Mary, for, for God to come to her and say, you're going to carry the Son of God. Okay, gotcha. Thanks for the memo. <laughs> I mean, it had to be mind-blowing. Joseph, even though you've not had a physical union, your wife's becoming president, uh, uh, pregnant. <laughs> Many jokes are going through my head right now, <laughs> all of which I'm going to leave behind. <laughs> oh, Lordy, help me. So... <laughs> So this was, this was challenging for this couple. Would you agree? It's still challenging for much of the world to believe that God came down from heaven, supernaturally impregnated a woman, became a flawless lamb of God through a virgin birth. For those of us who are of, of faith and God has turned the light bulbs of illumination and revelation on, we like, man, it could not have happened any other way. But you do have to put yourself in, the other, in another person's shoe and say, hey, that's tough, right? But God affirms over and over. So here comes this new couple. They've got a new baby, Mary and Joseph. They come to this guy, Simeon, who has sought after God and pursued God, just like Anna did all his life. It's called the nunc dimittis, which means I can now depart. I can now depart in peace because he takes the Christ child. He holds the Christ child up and say, God, this is the Messiah that we've been looking for. Your salvation is now here. Can you imagine Mary and Joseph thinking, this is the real deal. In that moment, they needed to hear that. In that moment, the world needed to hear that God confirmed before the birth and he confirmed after the birth. Now watch, Anna in Luke 2.38, Anna coming up to Mary and Joseph, here's the phrase, at that very moment, at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child. We have much more detail on what Simeon said. We don't get a lot of detail here. But she spoke about, listen, the child that she never met before. It was a supernatural affirmation. 
but she was used by God because she had sought God on a consistent long-term basis with discipline year after year after year after year. Now, let's see, who could I use for this affirmation? God revealed to her some things that nobody else knew because she was so consistent in her investment of pursuit. You see, she spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So, watch. The value of what we're talking about is that everybody sitting in this room has somebody that is in your sphere that will have, at that very moment, time in their life. It might be the guy. This is why learning the word of God, we should be prepared in season and out season. Why? For that moment that the guy at work finally says, I see you carrying your Bible. What is that all about? Oh, well, let me tell you. See, if there's nothing in the ATM machine, there's nothing to pull out of it. I know, that's brilliant, right? I mean, the, the, there's nothing in you can't pull it out. <laughs> and so in this moment, if we pursue God in a consistent way, then in that very moment, maybe your moment, and maybe your neighbor's moment, your mom's moment, your sister's moment, your child's moment, there's going to be moments in life then you have something to draw from. God, listen, wants to use you. He has wanted to use you. He will want to use you. He this is why you are a follower of Christ if you are a follower of Christ. God has prepared for you good works in advance that you should walk in them because he wants to use you. And the more we invest in God without a scintillating return, God like, man, boy, could I use you right there in that moment, in that very moment. Life is full of in that very moment. And God can use you. You remember Peter? When he was still wrestling with the whole Gentile thing, he was you know, a Jew, and he was like, man, we got to do all the rituals, et cetera, et cetera. In Acts chapter 10, there was this other guy, a Gentile, who was spiritual investment. His name was Cornelius. God is over here trying to get Peter to, to wake up and say, man, this is not, you know, we're in a new chapter. We're going to take the gospel to the entire world. But then there's this other guy like Anna. With nothing coming yet in return, he was devout. His name was Cornelius, Acts chapter 10. Cornelius and all, all his family were devout, dollar cost averaging. Consistent, God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need. Watch, and there it is. And he prayed to God, let's say it together, regularly, consistently. You see, I do believe that this sense of being prepared is important because we serve a God who wants to use us. Do you know that one out of four Americans have no retirement. And that may be you, and there may be reasons for that. But there will be a time where you're like, man, you're gonna, we'll feel it if there's nothing there. And the, the impact of spiritual investment, and you know, same for me, the highest number, it's almost one out of every two Americans who are in their 20s have invested nothing. Because we got, hey, we got the rest of our life, right? 
And this is somehow, sometimes how we live our spiritual life. Huh, I'm doing fine. Nothing's happening bad. And I don't, I don't have to keep investing because that's not too scintillating. And God says, no, don't live your life as a day trader because you might not be prepared for when the wind blows and you may not be able to be used as much as I want to use you for that person that says, man, I need a word right now. I need, I need, a, I need an arm around me right now. I need someone to, to help me right now. Well, man, I, I've been praying. I've been seeking God, and he can be used. So the question I want to land with you today as we close, are you investing in your pursuit with God on a long-term and consistent basis? And what are you giving up in order to do that? Thank you for joining us. And special thanks for those of you who give generously to make this ministry possible. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can also subscribe or share it with your friends. For more information about 360 Church, visit us at the360church.com.